The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out You've tuned in to the Million Dollar Recruiter podcast. My name is Andrea Ross and I'm your host at Talent Talk Asia. I'll be joined by Niharika Chattaverdi, who's the director of Ollison & Company, where she shares her experiences as the first million dollar contract recruiter at Robert Waters Singapore. Now, we've split this cast into two um, so that you can enjoy the impactful tips during your commute to and from work. So this particular episode, which is part one, is where Niharika shares her career beginning from Oracle in India, moving into the recruitment industry in Singapore, working for established players such as Robert Waters, Talent2, and more recently, Ollison and Company. She talks about what motivated her to be a million-dollar recruiter and what it takes to be a responsive, professional consultant in the competitive tech space. She'll also be sharing what it takes to be really self-aware and being a curious learner in your space will really increase your overall success. Now, don't miss out in tuning into part two, where Niharika talks about the importance of having and inquiring a mentor, the strategy around being a million dollar recruiter and sharing in detail what a typical week looks like for her. Now, she shares how being consultative focused to her stakeholders has been the driving force behind her successful career and what she sees as the opportunities and threats to the recruitment industry in the future and what you can do to stay ahead of that curve. Now, by listening to both episodes, you get to take away practical tips that will change how you do recruitment and get you on the path to being a million dollar recruiter. Now listen to the podcast to get your weekly dose of insights from the experts in the recruitment industry. Hello, Niharika. How are you? I'm good, Andrea. How are you? I'm, so nice to be here. I know. I'm so excited to talk to you. We've got lots of stuff to get through, so I'm really excited. So let's kick off. Um, you started off your career as a business consultant with Oracle, then you moved into recruitment. So run us through how you got into recruitment and, and we know why you're still here today. Yeah, it's a very interesting story. I was a business development consultant at Oracle uh, back in India. I was in a very unique team where we were part of an inside sales organization that literally sold uh, Oracle technology products into the client. So we were kind of mix of lead gen. We were doing a lot of cold calling to Oracle clients back in the US at that time and uh, generating leads and closing some of those deals. Uh, So, But basically we were trained in Oracle products. And I had this crazy dream with my husband that we're going to move to Singapore. And right. I started literally using my cold calling skills to get jobs in Singapore. Did you know? 
And on, I on call work time on Oracle time. <laughs> yeah, not on Oracle time. <laughs> but I had heard of Robert Walters as a recruit recruitment agency, and okay. believe me or not, my now colleague Roger Olofsson, who founded Olofsson and Company, had met my ex boss from Oracle, Shahid Hi. Nizami, who is now like an MD at HubSpot or whatever, and then he. Um, met with Shahid and told him about this recruitment consultancy as a career and tried to sell it to him. And Shahid comes back to Bangalore and tells us about it. And we were like, okay, yeah, that's something. And then Robert Walters is this company. You can approach them to find jobs. And I basically cold called into Robert Walters and I had a very kind soul of a person who listened out to me. And uh, Who was that? Was the person still there now? Or? It is young. Oh, is it, really? <laughs> it is, it ah. is, it is. She entertained my cold call and I asked her, <laughs> all right, hey, I'm looking for jobs in Singapore. And my husband nudged me from the I said, can you ask about the recruitment career? Can you do it? And I'm like, would you would you consider salespeople from India for that? And Jung was like, oh, maybe, sure, why not? And she literally phone interviewed me and got me into the process and uh, f- some 10 calls down the line. I came to Singapore for a day and, uh, you know, met you as one of the yeah. interview panelists and got the job at uh, at Robert Walters. And never look back, really. It's been such an amazing coming to 13 years in Singapore in, in search. Um, and uh, So run me through when you first joined, what, what was your role there and, and was it contract permanent? What, what were you focused on? And run us through your career, career first of all, with Robert Walters and move us on to where you are now. Yeah, so I started on their IT contracting desk uh, at Robert Walters uh, for financial services. And uh, at the time, it was a team of four um, and I was kind of assigned a few colder clients or the clients that they were not doing business with anymore had done some work in the past but it was kind of and uh, gotten uh, lost or something like that and then I mm-hmm. was basically because of my cold calling skills they thought okay they can, you know, she you can in. put into <laughs> throw you in and revive those account accounts and I still remember my first client call was to this uh, client at uh, Deutsche Bank and okay. uh, he he it was slightly easier because he had requested for salary survey from Robert Walters Brilliant. and I just had to basically push myself in and get a meeting from him and he was like oh he just sent it to me like, no 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 let's meet and <laughs> No, no, no. It's, the file's too big. We can't send it on email. I'm very sorry about that. Yeah, yeah so I just pushed myself in, got my meeting, and it, it became one of the clients that I made like six, seven placements with in the next year. So that was my first uh, sort of an account that I revived for Robert Walters. But interestingly, interestingly uh, soon, like about six months into my joining the team, as happens with I think almost all search agencies, there was a wave of attrition that hit mm-hmm. my team. And, mm-hmm. you know, my colleagues left for different reasons. Like one of them had twin pregnancy, other one went in-house and mm. I was left alone on the desk. And I realized that was actually a great opportunity. And time and again, I have told many of my colleagues and many companies that I have been in who go through attrition and they get like really disturbed by the manager leaving or people mm. leaving. Like, listen, this is a great opportunity for you. You're getting mm. a, like the whole you know, patch for you to kind of just dive into. So I just doubled down that in that time and just kind of pushed the pedal to the metal. That was the first time I did that. And, you know, the six months I kind of built my book quickly. And then uh, we had, of course, team uh, going up again and we had great colleagues. We started doing business with more, more and more banks because the team grew. And then the GFC hit, mm. right? And um, 
Luckily, by that time, I was a year into the business. The, then Lehman Brothers collapse happened, mm. and the book had grown to a certain uh, level where kind of the contracting business at Robert Walters became that uh, pillar that kind of also helped the business carry a little bit of uh, people, not as much as many other recruitment companies had to shut down. And when you say a good level, I mean, how many, I think, I think at what, the time, how many contractors are we saying is a good level? Is that five, <laughs> ten? No, no. My, I was one year into it. So I think my book was giving me about between 35 to 40K per month. Um, yeah, I was. I would think that it was about 20 Something contractors, mm-hmm. yeah. If I'm not wrong, it's so long ago. I can't remember <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's quite a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but but that was decent, and that was just me. And then we had four, two other team members, three other team members who had you know similar kind of books or more maybe. Uh, one of them, of course, was in there much longer than me. Um, mm-hmm. So we kind of uh, helped the business. Uh, you know, uh, in a way to kind of sustain the GFC uh, to a great extent, of course, and that was the 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 time I realized that again uh, the, the the market was basically going down, and uh, there was again whatever little hiring that was happening could could be contract and on staffing side, and yeah. that was the second wave where I was like just gun for it, and you know go, get out there as much as I could, got as much as business in, and just basically. Gave it all in, and uh, so and at that time, did you not feel, you know, you know, with all this going on with the financial crisis, did you not think, you know, what, I could just go back to working for somewhere like Oracle? What made you still stay doing recruitment? Because obviously, for a lot of people, it was a real worrying time. They didn't, some people didn't see a future in in recruitment because lots of companies were going on hold or they were going under, etc. So, what was it that made you decide to stay? I think I have always been largely a very positive person. I have. I have been able to see the light and the at the end of the tunnel or the glass half full, mm. you know, uh, in the in many many situations in my life. And uh, at that moment, I just could see it that it's my moment. Although everything was grim around me, I could just feel that if I just work more harder than I have done until now. Um, it's it's my glory days ahead because contract recruitment is not glorious. If you look at it at that time, there were lots of permanent deals and my colleagues mm-hmm. who joined with me who would be recognized for like, a, you know, a big deal and they would yeah. be, you know, yeah. shouted out in, in front of the business. 250, 300K quarters. And yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Uh, but then in contract recruitment, it, you have to just keep your head down and mm. work hard and get there. You know, it takes a year sometimes, you know, you, like probably about a year is good enough time you start getting your recognition. And at that time I knew, okay, I'm here, but I can go so much further than this. Uh, I don't know. There was something like a fire inside me which mm. kind of made me keep pushing forward with the agenda of like doing more. And I want to go into those drivers a little bit later, if that's okay. So yeah. so talk me still through so that listeners get a real feel for your background. So you so you were doing, um, you're in contracting, Robert Waters, global financial crisis hit. Yeah. Then run, then run me through from there. Yeah. And then uh, they were... There were a lot of initiatives that we were, you know, running at that time to make sure, even though there is the market is bad, but we were just going out there meeting more and more clients. We were. What kind of initiatives are we talking about we, here? At the time, we, I, I clearly remember, and it was of course a tag team play with perm team who were of course very low on on roles, but we were literally just mapping orgs, organizations. Mm-hmm. All we were tasked to do, since there were little jobs in the market, just right. go and meet people and figure out what 
who does what and just create organization charts for right. tech organizations and big banks. At that time, I was still working with the banks. And um, and uh, one thing led to another. We would meet people and then say, hey, this is what's happening, but I do have this particular contract role. I really need this resource. Mm. You know, Asia wasn't that badly hit. They were still, um, you know, of course, the needs. There yeah. were pockets of yeah. work. And uh, and uh, we were literally three, four, three, four weeks into that exercise, and I realized I can't start going out any longer because I have so much right. work on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, and I think that that was probably the only time in my whole career. I believe in like work life balance, but that was the only time in my career I did a few weekends because mm. I realized this is the time. And it was you know you just got to do it when you mm. got to do it. And got buckled uh, down. Mm-hmm. yeah, buckle down. And uh, yeah, and uh, that was two thousand eight mm-hmm. end right mm-hmm. when uh, Lehman uh, kind of collapsed. Yeah. And uh, two thousand nine, I was the top biller of Robert Walters for the first time in my life at Robert Walters. And then 2010 amazing. is when I made a million dollars. Which is amazing because yeah. obviously that is a huge amount. And also there's a, a, there's a high proportion of recruitment consultants in a, in a Robert Walters, right? It's not a small recruitment firm. So to actually be the top biller within that business is a, a huge achievement. Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Before we get on to that, <laughs> on what that means to be a million dollar recruiter. So you did five years with Robert Waters and then run us through sort of the reasons why you moved out and where you went and, you know, again, follow us from there. Yeah. So, I mean, it was great five years there, um, of course. And uh, but I I. So at the end of those five years, I was uh, not just doing, I was managing uh, the whole desk for ID mm-hmm. contracting, of course, mm-hmm. across banking and commerce. And I spent the last year uh, pretty much more hiring the team on the commerce side and going out there uh, with the, to the clients. Um, and uh, it was at that time I left Robert Walters more for a personal reason to move back uh, home uh, because of my husband's uh you know needs to be an entrepreneur and yeah. <laughs> follow him <laughs> literally yeah. do your but, bit sorry do your bit follow yes. him yes yeah. follow him do my bit um and uh but then of course it wasn't for long within a year plus we were back uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh miss singapore too much i couldn't believe that i was missing food <laughs> being in India. <laughs> But then we were here and and when I was coming back, I, I really wanted to do something completely different for, from what I had done before. Okay. And um, my one of my ex-colleagues from Walters was at this boutique executive search firm, um, which was serving commodity trading industry. Um, and uh, it was a retained search model. And I, I, I kind of uh, got talking to the founders back in mm. the UK. And um, I really liked them. I really liked uh, that they had, uh, you know, uh, uh, they didn't have a name here, of course. And that was something completely different. And the challenge that I wanted to take on, uh, they were fairly new in the market. Uh, It was an industry that uh, I had no clue about, which Mm. was super exciting for me Mm. as well. (laughs) To learn something new. To learn something new. And they wanted me to literally come in and set up a a finance desk, desk to begin with. They did have, of course, a good sort of a few clients that they were working with in UK who needed them to, uh, you know, uh, kind of come in and uh, start their business here. Was this contract or permanent? It was executive search, retained search. It was permanent. So also, again, something different from me. Mm. Uh, But doing that, 
that for a name that wasn't that known. Uh, you know, I've, I'd worked with Oracle and Robert Walters before this in my yeah. life and both very well Fairly recognized well names. So to me, it was like, you know, taking that leap of faith and yeah. <laughs> figuring out that I'll, yeah. uh, will, will I'll be able to do it on. But it was a great journey. It was such an amazing experience, like from going from contract recruitment, where literally it was fastest finger first, get mm. CVs in, put advertise your jobs. I was in a model where they just did not advertise jobs at all. Right. Like that was the policy, right? right? So how do we go from like, you know, just building the database of candidates, yeah. uh, you know, used to be literally do a lot of name gathering and, uh, you know, getting maps across to our clients. We were paid to do market mapping and research okay. as well as the, the whole uh, retain search for uh, C-level positions and into the region and was also something new for me to go out into the region and do in different markets. That oh, I had so you not were traveling service. as well then? Not so one. much traveling. No. It was, again, you know, uh, based here, but we were right. uh, like, I, I made placements in China. Wow, it's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Did you have to learn a bit of Chinese as well? No, no. luckily. <laughs> Thank God. That would have been a bit tricky, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would have been. I'm not a linguist. <laughs> yeah, so, but it was great. It was such a great time that I had there. And I, I, I gave birth to my twins during that time. And I had a two and a half months of maternity break with that because we were such a small business so you had to get back fairly quickly I had to get yeah. back in fairly quickly and I, I just still look back at it and I don't know how I did it yeah. <laughs> but I I did but they were really supportive business and uh, I, I worked for uh, four days a week of, to defer my maternity for a couple of almost a whole year Okay. Um, and then, you know, from there, I kind of, uh, you know, wanted to literally take a break for my twins since they were just about going to two years at the time. So I mm. left them thinking I'll take six months off. But again, two and a half months into it, I was <laughs> itching to go back to yeah, work. I bet. And Neil Dybal, who was uh, my ex-colleague from uh, um, Robert Walters, he mm. had been in touch with me. He was at Allegis Group at that time. And yeah. he basically asked me to come over and I was uh, talking to a few people but then I thought that that's a great bigger organization yeah. again I was missing that team yeah. camaraderie and being able to make impact and I joined uh, joined them under their one of their brands talent too at the time yeah. on the finance yeah. desk uh, but I didn't want to be a leader so I joined them as a principal consultant okay but six, seven months into it, Neil kept talking to me about taking on a management <laughs> role. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did that. I was with them for about three years as well. And uh, during that time, I had a very interesting and challenging journey, which we can talk more about it as well, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, later into the call. But, but yeah, I mean, three years into it, uh, Roger Olofsson, who is now my, <laughs> my, he has been my mentor since day one, he hired me into Robert Walters. He taught me recruitment pretty much. And He's a he guru had, on technology as he well, is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. and he had um, always kept in touch, always wanted me to mm. come back and work with him, but I wasn't just ready to go back into tech. I was still learning new things. Like at Allegis, I did commerce, everything Besides banking, I just explored the whole city. I went all the way to Jurong Island. <laughs> to you meet do, you're still doing tech though, or not? I'm doing tech now, of course. But Plus, when you were at Allegis? When I was at Allegis, I wasn't doing tech <gasps> at the time. I was doing Gosh. everything. Did it work out? <laughs> Did you um, love it? Uh, <laughs> no, she's hesitating. The answer is no. <laughs> it was a great organization, to be honest. But what I ended up doing in terms of disciplines weren't right for me, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's that's such a great learning experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I think I know more about... 
about Singapore as an economy because mm. of my experience uh, mm. in that I know more people more industries more disciplines uh, because of everything I did before right. I came back to tech with Olofsson and company so for so for recruiters that are perhaps listening to this or researchers or um would you advise them to if they have the opportunity to look outside of their current portfolio if if, the, if those opportunities arise just because you've obviously felt that, that that was a good learning um exercise for yourself definitely i would say of course you know there is a great strength in being a specialist in what you do mm. and uh, being able to build your network deeper and deeper if you are in one space for a long time but there is so much more to broaden your sense of experience mm. if mm. you can um you know get a few other experiences under your belt mm. i know in tech tech is so wide as well there's yeah. lots of recruiters who are doing just software development mm. or just data engineering or the sheer just volume. product yeah. just because of the volumes mm. but i would highly encourage recruiters to get flavors outside of what their mm. core uh, core niche is uh, yeah. Yes you're a salesperson yes you're supposed to build deep networks and turn out faster but then as a individual as a professional your um, your experience and your knowledge will go only deeper when you are a little bit broader as well yeah. and i have i have played the game very differently though i have completely gone from like tech banking to commodity trading to finance legal and hr even <laughs> but then back and to then tech and then back to tech yeah so but then that that has widened my network in a way in various mm. disciplines and it's still useful for me mm. uh, if you can be as adventurous as i have yeah. been <laughs> go for it but then um you know if even if you don't want to and if you think that tech is where you mm. really see you want to be then within tech there's so mm. much that you can get exposure mm. in as well So run me through what you're doing now. So now um January 2018 all of Sunan company um was uh founded and uh Roger Olofsson uh, started the company I joined him as his employee number 1. I did. <laughs> so I, did I did. It was such an exciting Yeah. time and I was going back to tech off after almost 4 plus years of uh kind of doing other things so mm. again for me it was uh you know building from uh, all, not scratch but you know what i did earlier was tech banking um mm. and most of my network at that time had moved on and uh uh and do, were doing other things or i i wasn't even completely aware what they were doing <laughs> but then um i was so excited to be in tech again i have always of course i'm a very I'm a tech enthusiast so even though I was not doing technology search I knew exactly what was happening all the technology mm-hmm. developments how technology had moved from a back office function the times that I was doing recruitment in banks where the tech leaders had to literally beg for budgets to do to their to do their projects now tech had moved to the forefront of um, mm. everything right yeah. the businesses were running because of tech and i wanted to be in the front seat again um and i'm so glad that you know uh, roger decided to start his own and uh, it was perfectly time for me as well i had gone back into digital with alijus uh, just took a few you know a few months before i left uh, so i could just feel the buzz all over again and uh, and we started the company with a with an objective uh to try out the startup ecosystem uh and because we felt that that's where skills and uh services like us will impact the most because mm-hmm. mostly large organization big banks everybody knows them and everybody wants to join them but it's the startups that need help to get the name out there they're working in such innovative mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. and they need really top of the top talent to come in and execute that for them and we 
between Roger and I felt that we know how to sell that to this talent and how to bring them on board. Mm. And uh, literally, that was the big mission that we thought uh, at that time uh, we wanted to go after. But we were we weren't sure whether you know it will be accepted, whether startups mm. would pay. Mm. Uh, and how's that been going? It's been an amazing, amazing about twenty plus months now. And in our first year, fifty or sixty percent of the work that we did was with startups. We wow. We placed teams, technology teams uh, for startups within uh, with the small team that we have we we have had in the wow. first year, and now of course the team has grown a little bit, but we have uh, placed you know tech teams with uh, fintech startups. We have placed leadership roles with some of these key uh, startups, which are so instrumental to their growth and next mm. phase, um, and. Uh, I have had dreams about candidates <laughs> and bringing them over the I line. I think a lot of recruiters have that, don't they? It's the recruiter dreams that they can never switch off. I want to I want to kind of come back to, I suppose, that whole mentoring that, that you've had with Roger, because I think it's really important as a recruiter to have someone in your life, whether it's in the company or outside, to mentor you, to give you that guidance in your career as a recruiter. So I want to kind of come back to that later. Let's let's start talking about the million dollar recruiter. Let's get <laughs> let's get into it. So for those people that aren't familiar with what a million dollar recruiter is, can you just share with me what that means? Well, especially here in Singapore, what a million dollar recruiter means. Well, I guess as a recruitment consultant, you have to make a total an annual revenue achievement or earnings uh, of a million dollars or above for your company. Mm-hmm. That's what really a little million yeah, dollar that's means. It. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and what and what did you achieve? <laughs> I achieved in the year 2010 about a, a million, 1.03 or something. It's like, a, I don't remember the exact figure, but it was about a, cu- a couple of Ks above a million dollars. <laughs> and what I want to know is what you spent your bonuses on that year. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good question. <laughs> I didn't have any kids. I was an, I was literally on a travel bug uh, <laughs> ride right, So you saw the time. world with it. <laughs> Yeah. Even though you couldn't take much time off because you had to <laughs> try and make the same the following year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a very wise husband. He made some financial investments. I know Good. that. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear it. So did did being a million dollar biller motivate you alone in terms of getting getting that achievement or were there sort of other drivers in play? There were always other drivers in play and I'm I'll talk about talk more about it, but Honestly, in the year 2009, when I hit almost 800K mark, Mm. in that year, I had this vision and I had this fire inside me where I knew that I could make a million dollars the next year because I knew that my business was growing and I just had this faith. And there was like this rocket fuel or rocket fire inside me that kind of kept pushing me. So in that particular year, I had my constant eye on the million dollar mark. So what's this fire? Talk me through what this fire means. What What, what is this? Where's it come from? Hack, elaborate a little further for me. Sure. I mean, I think it's it's a commu- uh, it's it's a journey until that point mm-hmm. where you know when I started in two thousand seven. I was barely unrecognized for almost eight, nine months yeah. as somebody who was working quietly on the, yeah. on the contract. I don't think you're ever quiet, Erika. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing you cannot say that you are. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't. <laughs> 
but but I mean, in a way, it was it was those unglorious days, right? I yeah. was working really yeah. hard, and uh, and then and then I reached a point where okay, contracting business can really take you yeah. somewhere, kind of yeah. a thing. And I had to prove in something that I wanted to prove as well that mm-hmm. this can be done, right? Mm-hmm. A million dollars can be done, and at that t- until that point. Nobody had done a million dollars in Mm. Robert Walters in that business. And it's a great business. It's a very established name. And I thought, Mm. if I can do it anywhere, it's here, Mm. right? Um, But then I have always been a very self-motivated person. I mean, I think I was not a very difficult person to manage for my managers. I I just used to tell them that this is what I'm going to do in my next quarter. And I somehow did it. And, uh, you know, I wasn't somebody who was ever under KPI management. You know, were, those are important activities for the yeah. business. But yeah. but somehow it 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 just uh, I knew what were the right things to do, of course, plan my days properly, plan my pipeline properly, make sure I execute and deliver properly. And I make sure that I provide great service to my clients and candidates and my contractors who are on my book at the time. So run me through the priorities of that. So you went through a few things there. Was financials the biggest driver for you in terms of the bonuses that you would get to hit that million or were the other drivers the making the clients happy getting candidates paid? Like run me through kind of sure. I mean, those drivers. Honestly, I'm a bit of a very different kind of a salesperson and Roger had once described to me how I was and he said that you are the most selfless and giving salesperson I have ever met. And I was, and I, I reflected back at that on myself, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because I love, I think as a salesperson, um, awareness, self-awareness is one of the most important things people should invest in mm-hmm. because you got to know what are your qualities mm-hmm. because you are, you you can't be a salesperson selling all the time in front of people because mm-hmm. gone are the days when, you know, cold calling worked any longer. Mm. You got to be a person, a package where people want to talk to you, mm. right? You want mm. to be a consultant. And if you want to be a consultant, you got to know who you are, what are your qualities, where you invest yourself, how you build your personality. And for me, that those were very important things. What gave me kick in sales or in recruitment was that I was really doing something amazing by helping these people find their next career. And at the time, I was on contracting desk, right? And there were lots of people that I was placing who were literally wanting to be in a job for their next, you know, to be in Singapore, to mm. get the next next career moves. Mm. And they were so grateful whenever yeah. we found them jobs. So that gave me a lot of happiness motivation. and yeah. motivation yeah. that, okay, I'm helping some, I'm doing some good. My, do- yeah. my dad wanted me to be a doctor. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I told him that I'm helping find people jobs and he was like, I'm doing something good. So he yeah, he, he, he kind it. of, he saw it and he was yeah. very happy <laughs> for me. But that kind of really gave me a lot of kick. And even today, you know, and it's now that I've moved to permanent recruitment, it's been long, but they, these are even more graver career decisions like, you know, helping and enabling people to see where their lives can move by joining a startup. Mm. Uh, is 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 something that kind of really gives me that kick and keeps me going. And uh, there is so much learning. Like tech has moved from, you know, the back office to front office, and now there's amazing innovation happening. So the learning has kept me going as well. Right. Sorry, have I digressed from your no, question? No, you haven't. No, you haven't at <laughs> yeah. all. So when you're saying about that learning side, so uh, you know, where are you learning this? Where you know, how are you going about? And so, because I want to, we obviously want to impart that to, to listeners that are either starting their careers in tech recruitment or thinking about doing that how how does someone go out there and constantly keep learning in their industries yeah 
that is such an important topic mm. these days because one thing i hear from clients and candidates over and over again is that recruiters and unfortunately i do hear it many times are still trying to do word matches which is not which is not the best experience that they Can deliver you some word matches what just so essentially if you look yeah key search yeah okay yeah, right so if you are having a conversation with the candidate mm. who is a techie who is a software developer mm. or a product manager or a data scientist you got to know what they are doing you have to invest and it's not because you know you you want to place that person you want to, again coming back to the whole consulting professional services angle you have to invest in yourself and learning there has to be a natural curiosity about technology mm. Mm. and innovation that's happening all around you and you know i i don't spend like you know an hour a day reading i'm reading constantly like if i see something oh you know there is this innovation happen like i'll just right. quickly read about it and right. then move on like you know there's a passion that's um that's driving you as well to to learn more about that topic exactly and right. and you know when you're meeting people who are in the industry you're going out for networking events that is so important mm. to do as well you need to talk things that kind of attract them to you to do business with you to work with you right and if you don't talk their language and you don't invest in learning mm. uh, you you can't go that far mm. right so that it is really important to take out that time i love to read about people who have you know created companies and mm. uh, people who have uh, you know caused innovation in the last like the startup leaders their journeys you know uh, the, the the big guys like the steve jobs and you yeah. know uh Jeff Bezos of the world how they started it, there is so much learning in their journeys and inspiration that every one of us mm. can take and uh and uh, and even if not that just you know tech in asia like that's that's just yeah, a cool sort of a blurb that you can get yeah. into and read very quickly and there is so much innovation in that whole knowledge space as well like you get 2 minute articles 3 minute articles yeah <laughs> but you got to read them yeah yes. you not you just skim it yeah not just skim it you yeah. got to deep and every time you get a new role to work on look at those what saml means don't just mm. look for that abbreviation on cvs go mm. in and read what saml means right mm. uh, go go in and find out why what jaithon means what it really is i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> I'm not a tech recruiter I'm allowed to say that and I'm not recruiting now so I'm I'm definitely not saying You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by the Career Establishment To learn more about the Career Establishment our people and our latest thinking visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn Twitter and Facebook